Hi, welcome to Track Nerds. With me today is Sarah Teague, who works for Cerner out of Kansas City and is starting med school this fall. And uh, Sarah has been kind of my political sounding board for the last couple of years. Basically, instead of screaming into a paper bag on a daily basis, I just text Sarah and that, uh, that's my way to vent in these troubled times. Sarah, how's it going? <laughs> Oh, pretty well. How are you today? <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, the thunderstorm that we are recording in on my end seems to have calmed down for the moment. So hopefully we don't get another power outage here. And so first, as we mentioned Cerner, let's, uh, I want to start by talking about, because I, I think I now finally have a pretty good handle on what you do there. So actually, let, let me see if I can explain it. And then you correct my explanation. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so if I understand it correctly, you basically travel the country and work with hospitals on implementing Cerner's like proprietary administration software and stuff like that that helps them kind of keep track of things. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Okay. Clear, 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 clear <laughs> yeah. it up for me. So um, I work specifically on the emergency medicine team. So I work just in ERs, which is usually pretty fun. But it's kind of a mix of like, yes, we have all like an electronic medical record for patients. So it contains like everything from like their ambulatory family practice visits to hospital stays. It all stays on one medical record that's electronic instead of on paper. So it's some some with like the patient data and like storage of that. But then there's also the front end applications for the software. So when a doctor would go in in the ER and place medication orders or lab orders, whatever they're doing, like they're placing it in Cerner software, which is then sending it to the pharmacy to, you know, fill the medication, do all this other stuff. So it's front end application and um, like saving the uh, patient data to the medical record. And so basically the old way, the alternative is just all these things are separate. And if I go to my GP or the emergency room or the pharmacist, that central hub is not really as uh, convenient, right? Right. And so it used to be you'd have to like print out all of your medical records, which would be stacks on stacks to take to different places. Or if you were on vacation and had to go to the ER, that doctor wouldn't have all your um, information. So it's helping and like it increases a lot of patient safety just because it ha- you know it has allergies it runs allergy checks it runs drug interactions things like that so there's some cool like safety checks within it so stuff doesn't get missed yeah right my job is just to help hospitals kind of customize what they want so it's like emergency departments like abdominal pain is something very common that comes in so i help create the order sets that go with that so it's like oh you're going to want this lab this med Um, this ultrasound. And so I kind of guide that along with the design of customizing it to what that hospital wants. And then I do a little light software build. And then eventually I'll like train the end users, the nurses and doctors how to use it. And then when we go live, I'll do some troubleshooting and at the elbow coaching for them. Okay, nice, nice. And and uh, let's roll that right into then specifically just travel habits and best practices. And uh, you know, obviously follow follow you on on the socials and and see you know a lot of pictures of you you know in in the airports and you know from the hotels all all across the country. So I guess the one question I had was, uh, and we can kind of go wherever wherever with this. But uh, so do you have like the TSA pre check and all that? Yes, um, I would encourage getting at least the TSA pre check because. It's good for five years, and I think it's I think it's only seventy five dollars, and it's definitely worth it. I mean, I've been to the airport with enough time before, like gotten there an hour and a half early, and seen a line that was in normal TSA, like it's a you know an hour long of a line, right. but TSA pre check is only is probably thirty seconds to get through. 
So I really encourage people to do that because I think it saves you a lot of time and it's just a little bit of cash up front to then, I don't know, be able to get to the airport at a later time or know that you're going to wait less in line. It it basically is just less stress and it's that, you know, 70, 75 up front one time. Mm -hmm. Now, what, I guess, I don't even really know the difference. So it's a shorter line, but like, are you actually doing less at the checkpoint? Like, are you, like, you don't have to take shoes off or laptops? How, like, right, how does, right. You leave shoes, shoes on, you leave your jackets on. Um, you just put your bags down and send them through the scanner. Um, you don't take your laptop out. You don't take your, you don't have to put your phone anywhere specific. It all just goes straight through. They don't make you take your liquids out, which is really nice. And, you know, don't leak this to TSA, but there's like a general rule that you're supposed to have all your liquids in a small like gallon size bag for. I do not follow that at all. I have like two bags of it usually way more than I'm supposed to. And I think it's just because I have TSA pre-check. It just goes right through and they don't open it up. They don't look at it. And I have, so, I have yeah. accidentally left my liquids, you know, they say to take it out. I've accidentally left it mm-hmm. before and they don't seem to notice. But uh, so there's probably a little bit of that involved too. Basically, you're paying to be on the shorter line and have less, just less inconvenience of the checking itself as you go through. And it just mm-hmm. saves you that time. And uh, how much dynamite can you take on at any given time? Oh, tons. Yeah. I personally just bring a lot of pepper spray, knives. Um, I'm kidding. Nothing, nothing bad. But. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you usually check a bag? I know I don't check a bag. How do you, how do you do on that when you travel? Especially when you're traveling for like weeks on a time. Yeah, so I I usually try to keep it to a carry-on just because I don't want to bother with checking it and having to wait to pick it up and I've never had a problem with like baggage being lost, but it's just nicer to have it with you. And a lot of people don't realize like, yeah, you can have your roller bag, but then you should also at least be carrying a backpack with you and throw like you know, your purse in there. I always put my purse inside my backpack and then have it, a few extra things in there as well. They can go under the seat in front of you. Yes. Yeah. And so some people just bring their roller bag and just like a small purse, but you should definitely like bring two big bags, be that person who's taken up a lot of room, you know, <laughs> so you don't have to pay for the check bag. Right. Well, and they do allow for you basically, you can put the one thing in the overhead and the one thing under in front of you. And my uh-huh. bag technically will fit in the seat in front of me. And it's, it's a pretty big backpack. I mean, they have the dimensions mm-hmm. posted online too, where you can kind of see, Right. Uh, what 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 they are exactly and uh i was just trying to and same thing too if i mean if i'm if i'm heading to a cooler destination and i'm leaving wichita in the heat well i'll still i still might go ahead and wear my jeans and my jacket onto the plane just because then i don't have to put them in my bag so just as a way of saving space i'll just wear my hoodie and then take it off as soon as i get on the plane and uh stuff like that oh definitely so and just security wise like if i'm out of a camera stuff i wouldn't want to check that and just like you said the time at the airport it's just so much less stress too to Yep, all my stuff is right here and accounted for. There's nothing mm-hmm. in the bottom of the plane that could possibly go anywhere in the wrong direction. And it's just one less, one less thing to worry about. And I remember reading, when I went to Europe in 2010, I was listening to a lot of Rick Steves, who's like a big Europe and world traveler. And he said, no one ever took a big trip and then said, hey, next time when I come back, I want to bring more stuff with me. Mm-hmm. It's always the <laughs> other way. You always wish you had brought less stuff. You never wish, oh man, wish I had brought a lot more stuff. Right. Yeah, people get kind of bogged down in like overpacking for things. And I don't know, I think vacation mindset and work travel is a little different just because it's like, you know, you can probably wear that shirt one more time before you wash it. Like you can wear it twice before you wash it. As gross as like when I'm back home, I would never do that. I like I wash more often. But when you're traveling, it's I don't know, I feel like it's not as big a deal. And especially in Europe, I think people do not wash their clothes as frequently as Americans do. Yeah, you know, we are definitely, I mean, I, I prefer our way just because I'm used to our way, but uh, mm-hmm. we are definitely kind of the minority and people are just more okay with a, 
with human smells in other parts yeah. of the world. <laughs> and uh, we like everything just very, what is it, antiseptic or whatever, just ho- hospital-like atmosphere in all places in the United States, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Any other general general travel tips or anything before we get talking about Hawaii specifically here? Sure. So I think everyone should sign up for any points you can get. So they're all free to sign up for. So sign up for Southwest points and American points and Delta points. And then same thing for your hotels, Hilton and Marriott and, you know, like Holiday Inn. It's all free to sign up and you might as well like get some points staying there because you might end up staying there more than you think. And then you get free nights from that. So I had enough from work travel and I, I don't even travel every week necessarily. I had enough points from Southwest and Delta and Hilton that I went to Germany, Switzerland and the Czech Republic last October or last September. And I paid for at least one of the legs of my flights and then three or four different nights of hotels were completely free. And then we stayed in Airbnbs the rest of the time. So it was like just from traveling and, and, you know, gaining those points, I ended up having, you know, some of that vacation paid for, which is nice. So I encourage people to sign up for those and they, you know, you get like fun little perks at Hilton hotels for the free Wi-Fi or snacks when you check in and stuff like that if you have status. So. Why not do it, you know? Yeah, that's making me feel dumb because I know those things exist. And I, I remember signing up for, you know, American Airlines rewards at some point. But then, like, ever mm-hmm. since I did that, I basically haven't flown American. And then just you, I get tied into that little bit of hassle when you're signing up for doing that. And then, I, I, like I said, it's a lack of foresight, though, on, on my part of, like you said, you never know when you're going to be using those things again. Mm-hmm. And then just keeping track. That's the whole thing, too. Like, I have an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, we had talked about this before where... I have like 90 different, 90 or 100 different websites and apps and things that all have different passwords and login things. So I wish there was an easier way to keep track of, okay, here's the four different airlines and the five different hotels that I have points accounts with and just maybe a more streamlined way to to track all that. And I think I've just been overwhelmed by that is the reason I haven't got into it. But obviously I need to because I'm just basically giving away free money by not. <laughs> Yeah, and you you can request points that you would have earned. So if you stayed at a place and you can connect to like, I stayed at this, this was the confirmation number with my last name, they'll add those points back to your account. Okay. So even if you like miss one or forget to enter your number at some point, you can always add it back later. Okay. Or request it back. I just, like I said, I just just need to actually set all those up. Of course, then it is like, oh, okay, let's say I do fly American this summer. I'll be like, well, what email did I use? Where is that account? Right. But again... By actually or make, taking a little time to organize that, I could be saving myself hundreds of dollars. And mm-hmm. so that's why I definitely feel dumb. I do have, I use the, oh, what is it? The Chase Sapphire Preferred. That yeah. Gets, yeah. So I do have that. And I, I did get, I mean, just even just a sign-up bonus there was nice. So once you once you spent, you know, the threshold within the first, I think it's four or 5,000 within the first three months on the card, gets you a 50,000-point bonus that's the equivalent to about $650 uh, worth of uh, airline tickets. So definitely taking advantage of that. And if anything too, I'm almost trying to like just let it rest. Instead of like nickel and diamond myself and using my points for, you know, every $300 plane ticket, I'm almost like, all right, I'll just pay for the $300 plane tickets and then use all my points if I, you know, try to go to Japan next summer. And then that flight ends up just being free. That's kind mm-hmm. of my goal at, at the moment anyway. Yeah, and you could definitely get there if you um, kind of stay try to stay loyal on certain like if you try to consistently fly American or Delta or try to stay in Hilton hotels because they also you know they have Hampton and that counts towards Hilton points. If you try to stay loyal and then if you ever want to switch, you can always you know threaten them and say 
Hello, Marriott. I've been loyal with Hilton for this many years. What kind of offer can you make me to match the status? And they'll usually match whatever status or give you like a starting amount of points just because I think they like to poach business. But yeah, that's an option as well. I think you just became my travel agent. <laughs> I, you know, if money were no object, I would love to plan trips for people. I, <laughs> I think it's very fun. Well, no, I definitely love planning. And within my family, I'm always the planner. They'll be like, all right, we want to do this. You figure out the logistics. And I kind of enjoy doing it. But again, I'm not taking advantage of all the stuff you're taking advantage of there. And I, and I don't have your uh, gumption to call, call them on the phone like that and be like, <laughs> what are you going to do for me? So uh, that's, that's why I would hire you. Yeah. So, man, it's, it's been a few weeks now. But when uh, you guys went to Hawaii in February, or no, it was over spring break, right? Yeah. In March? Beginning of March, mid-March. Okay, it's so just mm-hmm. about a month ago. Okay. And, and how was that? You had not been before, if I remember correctly. Correct. I had not been. Um, I went with my parents and then one of my brothers. It was a good timing situation because my dad wanted to go, offered to, you know, let's go to an island over spring break. And then one of my good college friends is there and is a scuba diving instructor and oh, then nice. also work, works for this other like semi-sub company. It was just nice to have him there to give us recommendations. And then we hung out with him like two different days. Nice, nice. So I think it was nice for him to see, you know, Kansas faces and then nice for us to have someone there to help us along a little bit. The, the Kansas faces is funny. And I'll just inter- interject real quick. When I went to uh, California, I went on the Paramount Studios tour and the guy inside that sold me the ticket, I was wear- I saw my WSU hoodie that I was wearing and mm-hmm. he got so excited. He was from like Gardner up by Kansas City there. And mm-hmm. he was just, just tickled to see a Kansas face in L.A. So it is kind of funny where you get those small world situations or running into people from Lawrence when I was in Europe. And it's just it's 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 neat that it, it I mean, there's a lot of people out there, but you can definitely run into people with some kind of connection wherever you are. Yeah, definitely. I was in um, sitting at a, a restaurant in Germany and I heard someone speaking English next to me and I was like, obviously listening in to the conversation because I'm a snoop, apparently. Uh-huh. But um <laughs> I she heard, I heard her say something about Kansas and I was like no way is this person from Kansas. So I leaned over and I said, "Excuse me, you know, are you do you happen to be from the Midwest at all?" And they it was a couple that was from Kansas City and then grown up in Missouri and I was like, "Oh no, I live there now. It's great, you know, all this different stuff." And the lady was trying to tell me like, "Oh, I would have never guessed that someone from Kansas or Missouri would end up in, you know, Europe for anything because those people love to stay home and not travel." <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad to be breaking those stereotypes. Yes, yes. Which I guess they themselves were too, but they felt yes, like yeah. every, everyone, everyone wants to think they're the exception to every rule, though, I guess, huh? Right. Yes. But now, obviously, you and I are, but, you know, other people yes. thinking that mm-hmm. it's like, psh, come on. <laughs> okay. So, so, how many days were you in Hawaii? We were there for six total days, I think. Did you get to then scuba dive and all that stuff with your friend? Um, we didn't get to go scuba diving just because of how the schedule worked out, but we did go on, um, this semi sub ship thing that takes like the lower part of the submarine is all glass walled. And so, um, the top part of it is still above the water, but the, you know, bottom part is, you know, 15, 20 feet under. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so they take you out to the reef and then, um, their divers dive in and go, we'll go like pick up a starfish or get, you know, different just marine life that they can safely pick up and bring to the glass so you can look at it up close. But then it's, you know, it's just a very cool thing to look out on on this coral reef and then be able to talk to the people that you're traveling with. Like I talked to my parents about like what kind of fish we were seeing and it was cool because it was um, just like a little bit easier than like having to learn how to scuba dive, but still getting to see just the view and the marine life that's there. 
And even just from a stress level, you basically get to see everything. But being in the water, there's just that little bit of anxiety that's inevitable. And so that's basically gone unless you're like, you know, claustrophobic being in the submarine. Right. Yeah, definitely. I went snorkeling a little bit when I went in 09. And it was definitely, I didn't have like a suit or anything. I had like a little bit of like the water shoes, a little bit of sole, but like the the recommended beach that had the best, you know, spot for, for snorkeling was kind of had like, I don't know if it's, is it, I don't know if it was coral, but it was definitely like some sharp coral like stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm like out on that, not wanting to get too far in the water, kind of just nervous because I just basically had trunks and a snorkel and mm-hmm. and the shoes. And it was still really neat, even though I was like, I mean, basically, imagine a five-year-old trying to snorkel. I was like, you know, two, <laughs> two, two feet into the water, but it was still really, really neat. And I do, I, I, although I wish I had done the full well, wetsuit thing where you actually can get out in the water a little more and you just feel safer about not scraping against the coral or, you know, make, right. like, make it harder to get eaten by stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to hurt yourself on the coral, but also you don't want to hurt the coral. Yeah, we need to go to Australia here before we can't see the coral anymore. And it may may already be too late, Mm -hmm. which is just sad. And Mm -hmm. uh, okay, now you were on Maui, right? Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, we stayed in Kihei, but we went to Lahaina as well. And kind of all we did the road to Hana, we did a bunch of different things. So we didn't necessarily we weren't in just one place the whole time. But yes, the island of Maui. Okay. And then when I went was Kauai. And mm-hmm. so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the differences in the two islands. Now on Kauai, which I believe your parents have been to as well, but you didn't get to go with them on that trip. I think it has a reputation as being like the naturey island. And they said Kauai had the rule where no building is allowed to be like more than like even two or three stories. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't really think that's the case on Maui, right? Yeah, I would say Maui's a little bit more touristy a little bit um they have more golf courses for sure um but it's not nearly the same as like oahu where it's like a full honolulu is a full city city on the island okay Um, maui still like you know they have they do have a target but they have you know one target on the island i'm pretty sure and it's not huge cities it's kind of smaller cute little towns but it's still i would yeah i would say guess more touristy than Kauai is Okay, so basically Oahu is the city island, Maui is the tourist beach island, and Kauai is kind of the naturey, untraveled island. Yes. And then, of course, then there's the big island that's kind of farms and volcanoes, right? <laughs> uh, from what I know, I think so, yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, because we neither of us have been there. But And that's actually one thing that surprised me when I went there, is I think we went with the idea of like, oh yeah, we're flying into Kauai, but then we'll just hop over to the other islands real quick. And it just right. does not work that way. Mm-mm. You have to usually, I think, take a hopper. Like, there's no, I don't think there's very many ferries. I think right, it's kind of too not. far and too rough for that. So right. I think you do have to take a plane, and it's still, you know, it's not super cheap. Right, that gets prohibited. So yeah, so your your four family members want to just jot over to the big island. That might have you know been dropping over a hundred dollars a plane ticket just to hop over real quick. Right. And then how are you getting around? Because you're probably renting a car on the first island, not the, the one you just went to. Yeah, and it turns out that's not transferable. You can't just tell the <laughs> Avis like, "Hey, give me another car." They do not think that's funny. Yeah. Huh. That's a shame. So hmm. so, that, that, so that was yeah. That, I see. So you could definitely spend a lot more time in Hawaii if you were willing to go to the different islands and stay there longer. But I almost think maybe the better way to do it is next time you go, pick a different island and, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of do it, do it that way. And yeah, definitely. funny little side story is, so 
when we went to Hawaii in 09, it was kind of as I was first getting into traveling. So we traveled a lot when I grew up and I really didn't travel much then until kind of 08. And then my parents were going to go to Hawaii in 09 for my dad's retirement. My aunt has a timeshare down there and I basically invited myself along. So we borrowed your mom's guidebook to Kauai. And that was actually kind of my first time just using a guidebook as kind of a way to get ideas on a on a trip. So like you talking about having your friend there was really handy. It was mm-hmm. it was neat having that guidebook for, oh, instead of just picking a random restaurant, let's pick the one the guidebook says to go to. Or was it was neat too. My aunt who had been there several times over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, because you know, she has the timeshare there or whatever, we were going to places she had never seen. Cause she just didn't know about that the guidebook told mm-hmm. us about. So I thought, I just thought that was really neat. And, uh, I guess I got to give your mom credit to getting me into, you know, seeing the value of guidebooks when you're, when mm-hmm. you're traveling. And I don't, do, is that something you use on other trips? Depends. So yes, she is a definitely a planner. And we, <laughs> we, we did use the guidebooks for Maui. We read them on the way over on, on the plane ride over. And then there was some great tips in there for, yeah, like recommendations for rest, restaurants are really nice. Some of like narrowing down, like, okay, we want to spend one day relaxing at the beach. Which one is like going to be not very crowded and, you know, right. have good waves, whatever it's going to be. And so that was, the guidebook was very helpful for that, where I don't think it's as easy to just Google those things. And then one other thing that was really good find in the guidebook was that we downloaded this app for the road to Hana, which is this like, technically if you drive and don't stop, it's three hours to get all the way. It's very, it's a single lane road that curves in and out of this kind of rainforest jungle situation all the way um, out to Hana. And the app takes you along the way and tells you, you know, gives you a little bit of the history of it, the like current events of the relationship between tourists and native Hawaiians. And so that was really cool to have that. And then it also told you like, you know, these are the top five must stop places on the way that you have to stop at. And then there, they, he gave like three or four other places that these are pretty cool too, but if it's, you know, past 11 a.m. in the day, you need to keep driving because you, you need to, like, keep going. But if it's, you know, yes. before 9.30, go ahead and stop because you, you're making good time and you can definitely stop here and be fine and, you know, make it back. So that was very helpful, and I, yeah, would encourage doing some research before you uh, go somewhere usually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I, and I think you can just save yourself so much stress and, and just find everything so much more enjoyable. The other one is, and this probably wouldn't be applicable to Hawaii, but just in general, I, I think having a tour guide can kind of pay for itself, whether it's, you know, it's a free tour that you tip or actually you know, hiring a tour guide. Like I, just, I just think it heightens your appreciation of what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of an underrated thing too. That people are just like, "Oh, I'm here. This is fine. This is we don't see this stuff at home, so this is great." And then you just appreciate it ten times more if you hire a guide to basically explain what you're seeing. Right. And you might walk by something that has historical significance or something that you would have thought is really cool, but you weren't. It wasn't pointed out to you, and you didn't know any better. Yeah, I was in New York on a work trip last year, and I was there during a nor'easter, which is a new weather pattern, I guess where it's like some sort of crazy wind, snow, and sleet all mixed together. And so we had one day to tour, and so we're like, okay, we're doing it. And so we uh, were on Manhattan and like out of our hotel. We're a few blocks away from the Empire State Building. So we were walking, and our heads were down because it was snowing and sleeting so hard. We walked past the Empire State Building, which is what we were trying to see, and like I stopped us on 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 the corner of a block, and I like turned around, and then was looking at my uh, phone to see like maps where it was. And I'm like, guys, we 
literally just walked straight past it with our heads down, like the <laughs> tallest building. Like, this is so embarrassing. We can't tell anyone about this. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it does help to, ha- yeah, if someone was there showing us the way, it would have been a little bit better than us just Googling yes. and then my maps getting kind of confused with where we were. <laughs> And then me not paying attention. So yeah, my uh, my big one was in in Berlin, and I and I I want to have you on to talk a different time about Germany, but I do want to share this quick little thing because it it ties into what you just said. So I went on a little run slash walk around Berlin, and then well, basically while my brother and his friend were still sleeping, and then when they woke they woke up, we went on a walking tour that covered a lot of the same route, and it was just kind of ridiculous how like, oh, I had ran right through the little square where they had burned books and had mm. no idea. Just like, right. you just you run right past it. You don't think twice about it. Oh, this is a neat little open area. And then you move on and you forget about it. And it's like, oh no, this is where they had giant stacks of you know mm-hmm. book burnings and everything. So it's like, basically you pay a little more for a guide to just drastically increase the value of your trip. Or like you said, just ensure that you don't get, get lost. I want to share my screen with you real quick to show you a couple of pictures from Hawaii. Is it there? Yeah, yeah, I see. I see some pics. So hiking is a big thing for me, and this this picture here is from probably one of the favorite hikes I've ever been on. And I'm mad because you know had the old people with us, so we didn't get to go very far. And this is this is probably oh less than an hour into the the hike where we parked. And I think this just kind of summarized uh, Kauai and Hawaii for me with all the, you know, the color of the mm. water and just the fact that this was still, this is even like a long, like you could take this hike as like an overnight thing. to like another part of the Island, but uh, I still wish I just had another couple hours here and could have spent all day on, on this hike. Did you guys get to do any good hiking like that? Yeah, we didn't do, we did a little bit of hiking on the road to Hana just to get, we went through this kind of, um, I don't want to call it an arboretum because I don't think that's what it technically was classified as. But um, we did a little hike that was out in this rainforest kind of area that had like intentionally planted rainbow eucalyptus and all these different kind of plants. And then we did some hiking to the lower falls of the seven sacred, I think seven sacred pools at the end of the road to Hana. So we did a little bit, but nothing that was over, you know, I don't think we did a, a hike that was over a mile and a half. Okay. Okay. So, so nothing yeah. too strenuous, but you know, enough to get moving a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that is what's kind of like, as, as much as I, I feel like I'm kind of prissy and that I don't really enjoy camping and being dirty for a couple of days, like those, you know, Europeans, I guess, but <laughs> I could definitely spend, I mean, I, I could do an eight or 10 hour hike, you know, just kind of take food with me and just spend all day out looking at stuff like this. And then, uh, and then I want to come back into a hotel room at night. <laughs> yeah. 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 The other one Okay, so I don't know the full story here. So my brother and I went kayaking, and there's a part where you kind of you you know you go across the way. I forget it was probably it wasn't that long, probably half an hour or so. And then you park your kayak, and then there's like a little hiking trail that leads to like some waterfalls. Anyway, we got lost, and this is what we found when we got lost that I thought was really cool. But the additional cool part is when they gave you the map of the hiking trail when you rented your kayak, they said. You know, here's here's the trail to follow. Here's where you end up, and everybody else will be there. And there's also some like Hawaiian ruins out there, but we don't tell tourists where those are. Mm. And so this picture, <laughs> I just kind of help but think: Did we accidentally find them? <laughs> but we also didn't want to get any closer than this. And like, I should have gone up to it. See, I I can't tell if that's stone or uh, just more trees underneath there, but. I thought it was very distinctive, and I'm just going to pretend that we found the ruins. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I would, yep. Mm-hmm. Looks uh, like to me. 
The other thing that kind of blew me away about Hawaii, so you, you think about Australia, and I've never been in Australia yet, but you know, it has a reputation of basically everything kills you. And <laughs> and Hawaii doesn't have that at all. Like, there, if, am I correct? There's basically no snakes on Hawaii on any of the islands, right? Right. And and I saw basically no bugs in the week I was there. Was that the same for you, or did you have a little bit more of insects? Um, we had a few, like, very small little ants in the condo we were staying in, but I think it was just because we were on the ground floor and there was a pool pretty close by. And I think it was just like, just coincidence that there was some in like the living room of the condo. But outside of that, I didn't see any. Right. So you think, you know, tropical, beautiful paradise. Well, but you're also going to be dealing with mosquitoes and Mm -hmm. nope, not a one. And so Hawaii is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And there was all sorts of, um, so I, I agree with the hiking that my ideal vacation I like to do, I like to have nature in there with some hiking. I like a little historical significance. And then the food is also a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And then like a little bit of, you know, shopping, culture, that kind of stuff as well. But those are the big uh, points for me, I would say. Um, but there were some cool ecological things that I didn't ever think about that were on Maui for like the road to Hana. So there's there's a black sand beach on the way. And then it's right next to it is this lava tube that looks like, like what you're walking on looks like black, shiny gravel, but it's actually like small pieces of like, I don't want to say petrified, but old lava. (laughs) (laughs) Old lava. Nailed it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Put that in a a textbook. Um, (laughs) But that was very cool to be able to go through like a lava, lava tube. You could walk through it. And then this black sand beach that is beautiful to look at. And then, um, over time it's going to completely wash away and it will no longer be, um, black at all. It'll turn eventually into white sand just because it's like pulling that out. And eventually there's not going to be that dried lava or whatever it is. And that's, and that's what I really haven't understood about. Cause I know that's basically how the Hawaiian islands were formed is this mm-hmm. kind of volcanic, you know, geothermic activity, but I never understood how that old lava becomes like ground that things can grow in yep mm-hmm. and, okay <laughs> so i think you're with me that we, just, we are equally ignorant on that regard <laughs> um okay but what's really cool is and you may already know this but i'm gonna say it anyway is so the geothermic hot points are like separate from the crust or where the land is on the surface and my understanding is that's why the Hawaiian islands are like dotted like that. That is like actually one geothermic hotspot that the earth rotates or shifts over, over the millennia. And so it's the same spot as just putting up these little islands every, you know, few million years or a few hundred million years. And so that's why you have that, like that dotted feature. That's like the direction it's moving. And oh. and the same thing with Yellowstone. They said basically, and I forget if it's 100,000 years, 100 million years, a billion years, but basically eventually Yellowstone National Park will be in Ohio because it's not fixed. It's that same kind of geothermic, you know, super volcano thing that's basically fixed to the center of the earth as opposed to the tectonic plates or whatever that we live on move across that. And so Yellowstone will actually move over the course of millions of years. And I, I just think that's fascinating. Yeah, there's also, um, I was just researching Iceland because I'm considering going there soon, but it's kind of up in the air, that there's uh, the tectonic plates that are splitting away from each other on like the North American and the European. I don't know what their actual names are, but there is like a, an actual fault line in Iceland that you can go see. Oh, so is Iceland going to be basically split into two pieces eventually? 
I don't know exactly where it is. If it's like, you know, a hard cut down the middle, but I think gotcha. yes, part of it is sectioning off. Yes. Gotcha. Oh, it could be more like one sliver kind of yes. fades away. Yeah. Like I remember them talking about like LA could eventually shift up to San Francisco, but again, we're talking like not just long-term, like millions or billions of right, years long-term. Right. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts on Hawaii? Probably need to move on to other things real quick to keep this manageable. Oh, yeah. Just one big shout out to my friend who lives there who one day he like took us all around, did all the stuff. He was taking us to this one random spot, like through this little resort, someone's backyard, essentially, to this little beach spot. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I see sea turtles here. Um, I'm hoping we see one today. If not, sorry for like dragging you guys out here. And we walk up to this like private secluded beach and there were 18 sea turtles just laying there, like soaking in the sun hanging out. It was very cool to see so many of them there at the same time. But I did not know this, that you, uh, you are not supposed to touch them. Not that I was going to, but you are not supposed to touch them for their safety and for your safety, because we both have some sort of like either fungi or bacteria on our skin and on their shells that can hurt the other party. Interesting. Just kind of a, yeah. micro, a microbiome conflict. Yes. Man, imagine if you didn't know that though. And everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, pick them up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take some pics with them. Yeah, but that was a very uh, cool experience there. Uh, no, very cool. And I do remember seeing those pictures that you think you put on Instagram or whatever. And, and but I didn't realize the, the see, I didn't have the context though, so I didn't appreciate the full the full story of you know seeing the sea turtles that you didn't know it was going to happen, and it was yeah. and, you're, and you're and you were trespassing and yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my favorite activities is yeah trespassing, um, getting kicked out of places. Yeah, just really good okay, at that. In okay. general, so. Yeah, um, we're a little, little different in that regard. No, I'm not uh, kidding. I follow the law. Uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Except in TSA pre-check. Yeah, no. I, uh, I'm a, just a straight bandit in there running through, so. Okay, um, I want to talk about your kind of just your current workout routine. Just kind of, it, it doesn't even just have to be, you know, what you do while you're traveling. Just in general right now, what do, what do you kind of do to stay fit? Because I know you try to as much as possible lead a healthy, active lifestyle while obviously still enjoying your carbs. Mm-hmm. So I like to lift, I would say, lift weights three to four times a week. And then I'll, I'll make an attempt at cardio I would say three times a week. Uh, and that cardio is usually either some intervals, I would say on the treadmill or outside, or sometimes I get on the rowing machine. I like to do that as well. I do kind of try to mix it up. Sometimes we have a, we have a Cerner gym in our, you know, in our building, there's a gym, a pretty big gym that has classes. So sometimes I'll go to like a yoga or Pilates class just to do something different. Nice. Just cause I, I do get a little bit bored of the same routine. Last year though, I was doing um, kickboxing at a nine round fitness. So that was really a fun time because it was like you get so tired while you're doing that because it's 30 minutes of just very intense punching, kicking, all these different activities. And you get to the point where uh, you can't think very clearly. And so all you can think is like, okay, jab, cross, roundhouse kick, whatever you're doing. <laughs> so it's it's nice because it's like, okay, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. And it's a nice way to like shut your brain off for a little bit because sometimes even if I'm running, it's still going and going and I'm thinking about so many things. That it's just, it's nice to, uh, you know, just deprive your brain of oxygen, hurt it a little bit, and then you're not thinking about anything besides, you know, breathing. And I think, you know, that's a good cardio method as well. But that was a, that was a good year of kickboxing that I did, but I uh, had to quit that because I was traveling like way too much for it to be worth it. But probably just a less, people don't like to run and you can definitely get that same kind of intensity running. 
but people tend to just it, it seems like almost like it's demoralizing to run at the same intensity that you're talking about. Whereas if you're kind of mm-hmm. doing a more of an activity where there's playing basketball or, you know, kickboxing and stuff like that, I feel like the time goes by a lot quicker and mm-hmm. it's easier to get into that. Just zone out, forget about all your troubles space. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's in shorter intervals of like, okay, you, you got to push till the end of this three minute round and then you're going to have a minute to kind of do something slower and then move into the next one. So it's not like, I'm five minutes into my, you know, 30 minute run and I already want to die. Right. It's, you know, it's broken up a little bit better. So, so more of a, more uh, of a hit, uh, hit style, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Basically you're talking fighting simulation. And the, what I always like to talk about is how your body doesn't know sports exist. So it assumes any kind of activity you're doing is, you know, required. So when you're, you know, just playing kickboxing, your body's like, Oh man, we're really in it now. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we're going down if we don't win this fight. Okay, mm-hmm. we, we get a little, we get a little time to rest. Okay, now we're back at it. We're gonna back at it. Keep her alive. Keep her going. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then your body adapts to that stress, thinking it basically has to for its survival. And that just getting fit in general is actually just tricking our body's survival adaptation mechanisms. And I think that's I don't know, kind of kind of fun. And you feel bad for the poor body that doesn't know any better. Yeah, it's it sounds pretty metal, like making your body think it's dying all the time. But it's good for it, you know. It's uh, character. Uh, yeah, it, it's you know, it kind of goes in the whole what I guess what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> right. Anything you do adapt then when you when you are traveling, as far as trying to get you know that as close to your usual routine when you are on the road. I think a big thing is as much as it sucks, I try to work out in the mornings when I'm traveling because. After work, if it's a normal eight-hour day, it's you know easy to go out to dinner with your coworkers and then still work out. Um, but if you're working 12s at a hospital or working night shift or something like that, it's very hard to work out after that just because you're usually pretty tired. Um, so I always work try to work out in the mornings before, even if it's like I'm on Eastern time and 5 a.m. is actually 4 a.m. in my mind. But right. still trying to get that in and... You know, even, you don't want to beat yourself up saying like, oh, I'm not going to be, I won't have time to lift and run today. Well, we'll at least go for a run or at least lift, like do something. Anything is better than nothing. So even if you go play on your phone and walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes, that's still better than sitting on your hotel bed playing on your phone. So yes, I, I think you, what, what you just said there that I think sums it up best is anything is better than nothing. And I think that as simple as that phrase is, and everybody kind of knows that, like so few people actually live by that and they just nope I can't do enough what I you know what I consider quote enough so I just won't do anything and 30 seconds is better than nothing if you're just going to do 30 seconds of jumping jacks every morning and it it doesn't take much I think to to see some of those changes you'd like to see yeah and I've taken a little bit of this to heart because I'm you know starting medical school so I feel like I definitely need to be keeping myself healthy because who's going to take advice from someone who isn't taking it themselves, you know, so. Correct. And well, you just said too about the morning and I, uh, I'm not great about that as far as just, you know, the motivation in the morning, but I was, I also have to share the podcast I just listened to with you. It was, uh, this guy had written a book, it, it was something about miracle mornings or the miracle morning. And he basically has written a lot of books talking about five things that if you do these every morning, it'll basically kind of improve all aspects of your life. And he's talking specifically about like, you know, career success and just this kind of just it has set you up. But so exercise is one of the five. And I don't remember all of them, but it was like meditation, uh, journaling, reading, and one other thing. But basically just even if you just spend five minutes on each of those five things every morning, 
it just like completely changes your outlook on life and just you're just you're that much more primed i think for the rest of your day mm-hmm. and it's it's similar to like when people talk about like oh i just don't have time to get enough sleep but it's like if, if you get enough sleep you're gonna be that much more productive in your waking time and so it's worth it you know again you're you're for you know medical school and it's easy to probably fall into the trap of yeah i don't get a sleep i just got a cram but you might actually remember more if you got a little more sleep than if you mm-hmm. felt like you were spending that extra time studying and I mean, and I know you, you got pretty well-developed study habits, so I'm not too worried about you there. But uh, just in, in general, I think it's easy to stress yourself out of a better life, I guess, for lack right. of a better way to say it. And people do not want to take their sleep or their stress very seriously. Like, chronic stress is a plague on the nation, I would say. And I don't know if that comes from the U.S. being so... Uh, Capitalistic? Ooh. Yes. Um, I was trying to think of a nice way to say that. Um, <laughs> I, I, that wasn't derogatory. Yeah, yeah. No, just focus, so, focusing so much on um, work and being productive. And so, you know, so many things are tied to it. So because of our, you know, health insurance, we don't get, well, I mean, there's Medicaid and things like that, but you don't have health insurance unless you have a job. So it's saying like, we don't really think you're worthy of health care unless you are being productive and have a job, which I think is a little... I got a lot of things to say about that as well. Yeah, but so, yeah. so many things are what our jobs are. You know, in the U.S., we ask people pretty quickly, what's your occupation when we meet someone new? Whereas in Europe, it does not seem like you ask that of people. Like, that's kind of an odd thing to ask right away. Right. It almost be too personal. Like, why do you care what pays my bills? Like, why does that matter? Right. Because it's not something they ground their identity in. Right. You know, they And it goes along with they have great maternity and paternity leave. They have crazy, like, I would say, you know, a month vacation a year. They have just more of that shorter work days, usually sometimes four days a week. Just all these things that lead to a happier work-life balance, lead to, or lead to a better work-life balance, lead to a happier citizens, happier countries. But the U.S. does not love that, so... And I particularly struggle with that because I'm basically living a more European style life and it confuses the heck out of everybody. And my brother, he's like, what do you, what do you say when people ask what you do? And I, I didn't have, I didn't have a great answer for him, but what he said, he tells people if they ask what I do, he says, whatever he wants. (laughs) I'm like, all right, I like that. I could do that. Mm -hmm. What do I do for a living? Whatever I want. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I get the question a lot, especially from people I went to college with or people from back home where they see like social media of like, Oh, Sarah, you travel all the time. You do all this. I wish, I wish I could do that. Or I wish like, I, I wish you'd, you know, take me in your suitcase sometime. <laughs> and I, I get that for sure. Cause it, it does look like a lot of fun. You know, some, you know, I don't show the the pictures of like the flight delays and stuff like that, uh-huh. but there, you know, people can do these things, but I think it's a choice and a priority of like, Oh, well I, and spending my money on this instead, or I feel more comfortable staying home with my significant other, or, you know, I just, I don't have the time this year, or we'll do it next year. There's just a lot of excuses that people mm-hmm. make. And it's like, it's up to you to decide what you want to do and what's going to make you happy and to follow through on that. A lot of people, I think, fall into like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, get married, have kids, do all these things, get the kids involved in as many activities, and then just keep working, keep working, keep doing all this until it's time to retire, and then I'll have time to travel. And by that time, you know, it's not necessarily too late, but you're not as able-bodied as you were when you were young. 
Correct. You, you don't you, you don't know what the future is going to hold. It's like, yeah, maybe, right. maybe you don't make it to that point or, oh, your significant other didn't make it to that point with you or or like or, or just a million different things. And I think it's like everything you said there is just it's deprioritizing yourself and we only get one life. So why would you deprioritize yourself in your own life? Mm-hmm. 100%. And yeah, people just I, I think it takes people a little bit of time to realize like, no, you're absolutely in charge of fostering your own contentment. And also making things happen. Like travel is not as expensive as people think. And if you want to do it, do it. You know, tell your tell your buddy that you're going to do it. Start saving money for it and make it happen. I think it's kind of a bummer that a lot of people miss out or put it off for other things until it's too late or they, you know, got to have a hip replacement at the, yep. you know, before they go. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the one, I, I don't remember her name or the exact story, but it was this woman who worked for some writing thing in New York, some magazine in New York. And basically she was just, you know, she's making six figures. It was this very hectic, you know, all the deadlines that, but you know, this prestige working for this magazine in New York city and everybody's just kind of like living the life and just couldn't wait though till they got that two weeks every year where they got to, you know, go down to the Bahamas and just, you know, chill on the beach. And she hit the point where it was just kind of the epiphany of, wait a second, why don't I just go live on the beach in the Bahamas? So she mm-hmm. so she quit her job at the magazine in New York, moved down to the Bahamas or wherever, basically started like working at an ice cream stand and just, you know, writing in her own time whenever she wanted and just like you said, it's not actually expensive it's not actually that expensive to live there once you're down there. And now she's living the dream that everyone was supposedly racing for, you know, oh fuck, I'm gonna retire on an island. It's like if you wanna do that, move to the island now. What's the difference? Live that life now. And mm-hmm. It ties into like, you know, they talk about the, the blue zones where all these people live, live forever. And, you know, the people just, you know, fish, you know, fish every day and just kind of are chilling. And it's, it's basically what Americans consider retirement activities because those aren't quote unquote real careers. But if that's what you want to be doing, then go do it. Right. Yeah. Why would you, why are you going to waste 60 years of your life working to then what, spend a good five like fishing? That seems a little silly to me. Right, right. Now, if, if work can be a means to an end and you enjoy what you're doing, then, then, then that's, that, that has value, absolutely. But mm-hmm. too many people just do, do things they hate. And I also think about, so dolphins are basically considered like, bar none, the second smartest animal on Earth. And there's even an argument, it's like, who's to say they're any less smart than us? Because people will be like, oh, well, they don't have cities and stuff. But you know what they do? They just... Swim around and play in the ocean all day, every day. Maybe they got it figured out and are wondering why we're doing all this other stuff. Like, they're just on vacation mm-hmm. all the time, seem so happy until we're messing with them. And by all accounts, they are just insanely intelligent. And mm-hmm. they're just on permanent vacation, just chilling. And I'm getting kind of rambling here, but even to the point, I think, was it, well, I know Japan, some places eat them, but I also think it was Japan that declared them non-human persons yeah yeah and yeah. basically need to need to be treated as such because they are so intelligent mm-hmm. and I, I wish we had a better way to communicate with them because uh they might have some pretty you know chill wisdom in the long lines of everything we're talking about <laughs> let's end with here because we are as we're uh prone to do kind of going, going a little long here but I, I wanted to talk about anything you've been watching tv wise or movies you've seen recently or you know, what do you usually do with you know netflix or just what's uh what's been your recent consumption i guess media wise so it's it's a lot more tv than movies just because it's usually like oh i got back super late from right. a work trip and then i have to stay home and like do laundry and, and i'm watching netflix um but i do netflix and hulu i watch handmaid's tale this fall which was great very intense but also just terrifying because 
of current policies and administrations. Yeah. That and, are, and, yeah. And that's, that's on, that one's on Hulu, right? Yes. Yeah, is. I'm just going to have to borrow your password at some point to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's worth it. It's it's very well done and just very dramatic. Like each head turn is just like, oh, man, like mm. just very, very intense. No, and I've heard nothing but great things about it. And have you read the book or anything yet? Yeah, I read the book before I started the show. And would you recommend that? Yes, I'd say read it just because I like reading more than I do watching television. But Fair. No, yeah, I agree. But the show does, like the second season goes further than the book. Like the book ends and then the show continues like drama the book's just kind of like the launching point for season one and then it just continues in that world yes yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no but i would that's very good and some comedies that i've been into recently broad city very funny and schitt's creek also very funny and it's two two shows that I've heard from so many different people like, oh, it's so great. You should watch it. You should watch it. And then I, once I actually sat down and watched it, I'm like, oh, no, this is absolutely great. I should have been watching this all along. What was I doing? And what platforms are those on? I'm not even sure. Schitt's Creek is on Netflix and Broad City is on Hulu. Gotcha. Uh, and that's the one that just ended because I've been I've you know seen those women on interviews and tons of stuff, you know, since the whole show started or even before the show started. And uh, mm-hmm. I just I just don't have don't have Hulu. I already probably don't watch my netflix enough to justify it but it's one of those things where it's just so nice though just to kind of have it when you need it there and uh it's you know it's it's small enough it's in the background i feel like i feel like that's where we're going though is it's only gonna basically every platform is gonna have their own little subscription monthly thing and Mm -hmm. i think you know it's you know makes sense to because i have prime and and netflix and you got hulu and then there's you know youtube's working on subscription thing but now it's like every little you know disney's getting ready to launch theirs cbs has theirs and it's gonna end up being the same as your old school cable bill Yep. You're, just, you're just nickel and diming yourself with what you want, but it's going to be customizable and you will only be paying for exactly the content you want. But mm-hmm. it was nicer when you could keep it down and just be like, oh, Netflix basically has almost everything and I'll just pay that 10 bucks a month or whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I got Hulu this last year because there was like a Cyber Monday deal where if you bought it that day, it was only a dollar a month for the year. That's right. I think you told me about that. And I, I like forgot that night. Yes. And then I, I went on the next day. Yeah. I should have tweeted it. <laughs> yes. I, I went should on have tweeted it and let everyone know. <laughs> yes. I, I went on like the next day. I think we were even talking about it. I was like, Oh shoot, I need to do that. And then I forgot that night. And the next day I double checked and it was, I had missed it. So yeah, let me know if that happens again, because I would, yeah. I would jump right on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did you give any thought to my question of if you had a, it, it's actually a reference to my book. I actually don't know if you ever read my book. It would make a great uh, plane ride book for you. But the, the kids in it have a time traveling boom box that can take them anytime, any place in the world. So Sarah, if you could go anytime, any place in the history of the world, you know, past, present, wherever, where would you go? Oh, this is so very hard. <laughs> no, because there's so many places I want to go now before anything bad happens right before even okay well let's start let's start let's 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 start with that then so, so just, let's say present day where would you go and you could and you, and you could teleport there instantly so getting there isn't now okay. a, a, a limitation okay so i want to say either greece or malta or maybe spain those are my top three right now okay okay yeah and eventually in my lifetime i would like to hit all six continents antarctica i don't care about going there but the rest I would like to visit at least once. But yeah, those, I think I named three. Those three countries are top of the list right now. But I guess then going back to the question, any place in history, I feel like Athens at mm. peak Athens time would be kind of cool. Doubling up on the Greece. All right. 
Yeah. I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Minus the whole, like, I'm a woman and, you know, would be like a slave of some kind. But outside of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have uh, I have the kind of the white man pass where I can go anywhere in the past and I'm good to go. I just feel like that there's an, like a built-in little sub note on that question of like, just assume like you're safe and not going to be killed by someone. So yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 I don't want to be sold, sold into uh, slavery. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Sarah. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry for the downer. Uh, okay. So then, uh, so who, who, so, okay. Let's like, say so you're going, you're going to ancient Greece. You're, you're going to be good and safe. Uh, so, but what, uh, what celebrity or historical figure would you take with you? Oh gosh. Okay. Celebrity or historical figure. Okay, so I really love Serena Williams a lot. Okay. I will die on this hill. I'd probably fight someone to defend her. Not that she would need my help. She could kick anybody's butt. <laughs> but I like Serena Williams a lot. I just finished Michelle Obama's book, and I also, she would be super cool to go with. Just reading about like her and Barack's relationship, just how intelligent they both are and mm-hmm. how educated. It was just like so like, oh, man. Imagine their conversations when they were first getting to know each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They would just talk about just racial inequality and what that meant and how you could overturn it in the US and like, man, just just two smart cookies. Doing things, doing things. Yeah, but I think yeah, Michelle Obama or Serena Williams would be pretty cool to go around with. So Cody I've had on a couple of times here already Geefer. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's all about it. I mean, he, he basically says unequivocally, and I think that's your, where you were headed to, that she's the greatest athlete ever. Yes, I think so. Compared to like her field, she's right. been the most, most dominant. And to go to, you know, to have a child, have a very hard um, recovery from having a child. She, I, I think it was kind of touch and go there for her health mm. there for a little bit. Um, and then come back and continue to be competitive is just you know, very impressive. And she handles everything with such grace. I think she's faced a lot of racism in her life and sexism. And she just is, you know, is just very kind, even though these things have happened to her. And yeah, she's just great. Yes. And yeah, she, there was, you know, there was the, oh, she didn't necessarily take a lot of heat for it, but like when the, oh, it was sometime last year where it went by kind of viral of her yelling at an official or whatever. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, and, and this is the sexism you were talking about, we were obviously holding holding her for some reason to a way different standard than all the men to do the same thing all the time, and no one bats an eye. Right, that slam their rackets, break their rackets, yell at people like right. men do the same thing. So right. why is why is a woman being hysterical? And it's it's considered normal if the men do it, right? Right. Why is a woman being hysterical when this is happening? And also, the word hysterical has a sexist history because it comes from hysteria, which is alluding to your uterus. And so oh, it used to be oh, hysteri- thought, hysterectomy. Yes. Holy so cow. To, yeah. So it used to be uh, exclusively reserved for women because a woman trying to do something or wanting to do something on her own or having her own opinion, obviously she was just crazy. And so it must have been that darn uterus making her crazy. That's what they thought in like, I don't know, the 1700s or something. Yeah. Gross. Wow. But. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's keep that out of the uh, time traveling destinations. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It's, 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 and that's what's frustrating too is just uh, for how many centuries you know you think I think back to ancient Greece and I'm picturing you know Socrates and his students and all that and it's it is just this white man party and like the women aren't even existent in the histories and it's just this idea that white men are the default gender and and and, and I don't necessarily go 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 too political here but I I think there's I think it's it's just impossible to deny that. You know, we look at the presidential race, and regardless of what side you're on, it's just 
I think you even had another uh, Facebook post kind of talking about that, just or Twitter post. Imagining that <laughs> you're not a white male and the leaders of your country for the last 200 years, 45 in a row, have all been the same demographic that's not you. Just just imagine that for a second. And mm-hmm. and then and it extends back to we're going back to ancient Greece and talking about the same thing. And obviously there was there's world history and there but you know just what we're taught here in the United States just focuses so much on the history of white men. And then we wonder why these people are just obsessed with their own white maleness and think they're better than everybody else. And and I'm not saying they all do because I'm one of them. But it's uh it's frustrating. It is frustrating. And I, I wish we had a little more perspective when we're looking at those kinds of things. And, and you can be a right wing person who does respect those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I think people lose a little bit of compassion and just like put yourself in someone else's situation where I think I feel like I didn't realize that people grew up so differently than I did until I probably got to college. So I grew up in like a nice home with stable parents who, you know, read to me when I was little and I could read before I was in, you know, kindergarten and all these different things. Whereas there's some kids in the U.S. who go hungry that um, are abused by their parents or they don't speak English when they go to kindergarten. And so they have to learn a new language on top of like trying to keep up with the learning that's going on. Yeah, food insecurity, parents that could be in and out of prison, like just so many different things that can go wrong that can affect the child's learning and like so this person lasted through all these things growing up and i had such a like such a privileged life really right and so yeah no we we're not going to say that like they should be well just just having compassion for how other people grew up and how that's going to shape their worldview so they might not see things like me and that's okay and i should listen to them because they have like they've had this i don't know um, a more challenging upbringing than i have and they're probably, I would guess, a little tougher than I am, too, because of what they've been through. And uh, this whole, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality that people have, usually it's spoken by someone who comes from a very privileged place. Right. And you got and you got to have boots to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're, we're, past our, we're past our hour. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off on the podcast here, but we don't necessarily have to hang up right away. So I definitely want to have you on again to talk about... Uh, Germany, and we didn't even get to you playing lacrosse in college and all that I want to talk about, but we'll, we'll definitely do this again. And so thank you, Sarah, for your time. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you later.